Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Imperfect Podcast. I'm Kathy. And I'm Kennedy. Join us on this week's episode as we discuss intriguing topics and people of interest that will inspire us to explore all of the unique pieces of ourselves. We are all imperfectly perfect. We're We're glad glad you're here. here. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the next episode of the Imperfect Podcast. Yes, welcome back. Today, we have the pleasure of interviewing a guest who has made massive impacts in his own community and has big plans and aspirations for himself. I have had the pleasure of watching this man's desire to help others grow exponentially, even in the few short years that I've grown closer in friendship with him. Corey is a current university student and a Pat's college student and graduate. Uh, He's a humanitarian who is passionate in creating change concerning the environment and equality for everyone. He's one of the most dependable, reliable, and charitable people you'll ever get to meet. So without further ado, here's Corey. Hey, Corey, how are you? I'm doing well. What have you been up to lately? Well, uh, today I was doing a lot of uh, research on uh, colonialization of Canada and uh yeah oh geez not what i did today (laughs) do we have the right guess (laughs) yeah no that's cool though yeah i'm uh i'm a tutor or not a tutor sorry um just a teacher assistant for a first year sociology class and it's uh pretty cool like i have to read all the work that they're doing and stuff and um yeah, today they were looking at colonization and discussing how, uh, like, when Europeans came to Canada, there was approximately like a hundred million uh, Indigenous people that were killed, and how they were forced on reserves, and um, how a lot of people had to be funneled into like the residential school system. And uh, yeah, it's just really cool to be able to see what they're doing as students, and I get to read and mark their grades and stuff. And I remember like sometimes students. Uh, there's a lot of grammatical issues and it's hard to read and stuff. And as like a fifth year student, I'm reading this and thinking like, um, this is actually kind of rough and it's hard to read. Then I remember just five years ago that I could barely put a sentence together too. So it's pretty cool to see the transition that students make in just a short amount of time. Right. Yeah. It goes full circle. And it's interesting what you were going through today, because I, with my online course, actually right now, I just covered that module about when the Europeans came over and all of that stuff. So anyway, right. interesting. Yeah. 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 So I'd like to know a little bit more about you personally, Corey. Uh, obviously, you and Kennedy are friends. I've never really met you before. So uh, why don't you tell us what your story is? Like, what was your childhood like? Who was Corey? What are your interests? Yeah, so... I think I have a pretty cool origin story, I guess you could say. Um, I had a troubled teen mother who had me when she was about 20 years old. And um, she was a single mom. And we moved to Moncton when I was probably, I think, three years old. And we lived in Marsh Trailer Park, which I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, though. But it's probably one of the uh, more lower socioeconomic places in Moncton. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it was just me and my mom and her big uh, white Great Pyrenees dog. And she met my father uh, now, not my biological father, but she met her new husband uh, in that same trailer park. And 
Yeah, within a year, they got married and had their first kid. And then we moved to Notre Dame in the country. And through the years, she had uh, a total of 10 kids. Wow. (laughs) So I'm the oldest of 10 on my mother's side. And in addition to that, she also started started a hobby farm that we did a lot, a lot of rescues and rehabilitations of like different farm animals. And yeah, we had it open to the public. So it was a very unique way of growing up, I guess you could say. I would say so. Yeah. yeah. And that's cool though. And where's your family living now, Corey? They're in uh, Ontario right now. Um, they're in the process of moving again. I forget the name of the I think it's, uh, I forget the name of the city, but they're just about 45 minutes outside of Ottawa. And it's pretty cool. Like I get to go up there every Christmas between uh, university semesters. And uh, me and my brothers, we spend a lot of time hiking uh, mountains in Quebec, like uh, Mont Tremblant. Yeah. Cool. So we go on all kinds of big adventures there. Like I'm 31 now. I'll be 32 when I go up this Christmas. And I still have a sister who's uh, seven years old. And I think my age difference yeah. with my sisters a lot. That's crazy, eh? Yeah. Yeah. There's a bigger age difference between me and the two youngest kids than me and my own mother. Because mom had me when she was about 20. Wow. And uh, I think I was 22 and 25 when she had the last two kids. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. So uh, yeah. it's pretty fun at Christmas time, I'm assuming. Lots oh, yeah. of uh, craziness. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's a loud house. They have a lot of dogs and stuff, too. And we don't do the farm anymore. That's something we got away from just in the last couple of years. She stopped rescuing animals, I think, about six years ago. And she let her existing stock that she had just kind of die of old age, I guess you could say. animals. But uh, she did start a rat sanctuary where she has a couple cages and yeah, she was uh, rescuing rats or taking in uh, rats from people that didn't uh, couldn't care for them anymore, just couldn't handle having them anymore. So. Sounds like we need to interview your mother. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. <laughs> oh, you, you were off to a little bit of a different start than than some yeah. people is what you're trying to tell us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely that's my roots of uh, doing different forms of activism. Was it was a heavy influence from my own mother and the work that she did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so, she always kind of put uh, an emphasis on um, trying to do different work and fight for the right to like she was all about animals very much like and that was kind of my beginning too was animal rights. And I started getting into uh, environmental rights because it was an interest in uh, high school, but I very much got into human rights as an adult, especially in university. Wow. Yeah. Do you mind talking a bit more about that, Corey? Because you're studying something to do with that as well, correct? Yeah, I study sociology. And uh, so sociology is a social science that the short version is, is that we do research and try to understand our social world. So we try to understand, um, we look at a lot of social problems in the world according to social identity, such as gender, race, uh, sexuality, uh, age, ability. And uh, so we look at these uh, social inequalities and how how they're rooted in like our dominant social systems within our contemporary society, such as patriarchy that um, privileges men or white supremacy that privileges uh, white people and etc. So what direction are you planning to go with with all this? What do you want to be when you grow up? What do I want to be when I grow up? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's um, so 
like I kind of look at being university educated, especially in this, is to kind of not just to get a job necessarily, but for me, like I got into school, it was almost by an accident, really, because prior to going to university, I worked for a fertilizer factory in the eight years that I worked there, like it left me both physically debilitated from a, an, an injury there. And I could like definitely say that it was a traumatizing experience insofar as the exploitation, oppression, and just uh, violence that workers experience there. Mm. And um, yeah, one day I heard on the radio that the government was offering free education in New Brunswick for university students. So that was my way out of that place. Sign me up, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It was yeah. a great program, uh, even though it's been uh, rolled back to a certain degree now, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. but, um, uh, I was just going to ask you, Corey, did you, it seems to me that you, did you start in environmental science and then you kind of went elsewhere and where you were interested or where did you start? Where are you now? Where are you going to end up kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I studied a lot on the environment in high school. And when I graduated, I left there and went to university. I found sociology by mistake. And the, one of the first topics they were talking about in my sociology class was worker exploitation. So that was something that I immediately clicked with. Right. Because I had this experience. And because of that connection, I was like hooked on it. And then they just started going into all these other directions discussing um, different social identities, right? And uh, mm -hmm. the issues associated with those. And that got me into that field. And um, yeah, but when I graduate, the work that we can do, there's all kinds of work that uh, people can do after they graduate from social sciences. But for myself, like last year, I started um, a nonprofit organization as part of one of my classes. Mm -hmm. And that it's called Equity Enterprises. And at Equity Enterprises, we um, start recycling programs at uh, like major corporations, government institutions, just people's residential homes. Mm -hmm. And the money we collect from the recyclable materials that we get, we donate to Crossroads for Women. And basically, when I graduate, I want to keep growing that nonprofit and just see how much more funds we can bring in, how much more community building we can do. Yeah, yeah that's great. So was that I correct me if I'm wrong again, being your friend, I get bits and pieces. So mm -hmm. was that funded by the university? Like, how did that start? Where was that door open opportunity kind of thing for you? Uh, yeah, I took a class. Uh, it was called um, uh, Service Sociology, which is about putting into practice the knowledge that you gain into um, how to create like material change with people. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty cool. We did all kinds of different programs within that class that were like outside of the classroom. Just one example of one activity we did, it was called Pumpkins for Poverty, where a whole group of us went out and we um, collected a bunch of vegetables from this farm that this woman donated and we sold them on uh, Main Street in um forget the name of the city, but it was in Nova Scotia and all the money went to uh, their local homelessness shelter. And through that same class, I ended up doing a simple raffle where we were selling baked goods and I donated all the money to Crossroads for Women. It was very successful. We got $735. That's and great. when I did that uh, to fund the baked goods part of this project, my boss 
at my work was so great and he donated this 500 pound old metal like farming decoration that I junked up into a bunch of pieces brought to the scrapyard and I got like 55 bucks for this huge thing and that funded that that's and awesome I, yeah yeah I was telling people about this and people kept trying to give me more scrap metal beverage containers etc uh -huh. And I just like lit a light bulb under my head that uh -huh. I could start these recycling programs and bring in more money. Of course. So this year alone in 10 months, we got around $6,000 doing this kind of thing. Yeah. That's amazing. And this is the second year? No, this is only like 10 months in. Right, right. Yeah. My That's... short term goal is to do 10 grand a year. And my long term goal is to hit 100 grand a year. Wow. Yeah. Well, it sounds grand. like you're pretty resourceful chunking up old metal things. And... Oh, yeah. And that, that kind of, kind of that kind of born in your brain an idea to do the recycling project. Is that correct? Yeah. So what got me actually my boss to give me that was prior to uh, doing this project the summer before. So when COVID-19 hit, um, it really affected global markets in such a way that the prices of scrap metal like copper, steel, aluminum, all these things skyrocketed to prices never seen before. Mm -hmm. And I just started going on Facebook Marketplace and looking for people giving away their free dryers and stuff. And I was making quite a bit of money doing this as kind of like a side hustle. And my boss knew I did this kind of thing. And he knew I had that connection uh, to the scrap metal industry. And that's when he said, you know what, you should take this decoration that can uh, fund this project you're doing. So it's just interesting how these big projects just start very small and they kind of just grow into something that you weren't even expecting. Right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And I think uh, many things in my life started that way, just very small and almost happened by accident. Like, becoming a sociologist that's fighting worker exploitation, just recycling old microwaves during the pandemic and right. now I have this whole organization that's based around that. So, yeah. Mm. So cool. So is that what keeps you going? Like think thinking of ideas or is it more about helping others? Uh, so personally, it's just like if you take all the science and the community building aside like this is fun for me I think it's fun I love making uh, connections with new people telling about these projects trying to deconstruct uh, notions about social identity that are problematic and uh, just being out in the world making things happen making those connections it's fun for me but um yeah, like uh, when it comes to personal growth and doing things like I try not to focus too much on like uh, my own individual life when it comes to like I don't have these aspirations to be like a millionaire or anything like that. But I guess my aspiration is to do community building because like I grew up in Moncton, grew up in a lower socioeconomic neighborhood and want to develop those changes. So that's kind of my driving force behind all of it. But uh yeah, it's, it's also a lot of fun too. So. Yeah. And yeah. so d is this what makes you feel like your best self or do you have a specific interest or hobby that you love to do? Like, is this all your focus all the time or do you like to do little things on the side too? I like doing all kinds of stuff. Like I told you before, when I'm on my downtime, I'm with my brothers, I'm with my friends, I'm hiking, I'm in nature. I love that stuff. I love it. But, uh, yeah, like my main aspiration in life is uh, 
I think my strongest thing that I'm focused on is social justice, because I want to see a world where there's um, no more social stratification, no more exploitation, no more inequalities. And I think that life for all would be better, including myself, right? Because uh, mm -hmm. I just know growing up lower socioeconomic and I've experienced other forms of oppression, according to like my sexuality and mental um, illness and stuff like that. So that's my main driving force is to fight for the better tomorrow. Yeah. And if I know yeah. anybody that's out there and getting it, so to speak, it's you. I, <laughs> if you ever need Corey to give you a recommendation on whatever, or if something needs to happen, like immediately Corey's the first one I think of in my head because he's out there and he's getting it and he's doing it. Yeah. So Corey... Oh, so I was Go just going to say, we try to make a, a lot happen with not a lot. Cause like, like myself, like I don't have that much resources, but we, I think you said earlier, it's about being resourceful mm -hmm. and yeah. Um, I signed up for that grant and we got a $5,000 grant from a TD to start like our nonprofit. And the first thing I bought was this, the smallest utility trailer we could buy from home Depot. <laughs> and just with that small trailer, like we made all this money. And like you were saying about like when people need help and stuff, sometimes we help lower socioeconomic individuals move from problematic uh, situations and stuff. So we try to do a lot with the little that we have. That's good though. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask, what is the most important thing you've learned in life? Uh, the most important thing I learned? It's um, a big question. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the sociological imagination is the most important thing I learned. And I'll explain that. When uh, in our first year of university, like I kind of went through life and uh, one of our dominant narratives in our capitalistic society is the focus on the individual and that the individual is basically entirely responsible for their own destiny. Hmm. But uh, when I got into sociology, we learned about social processes in life and how social processes and systems of power privilege certain groups that like negatively impact their lives in such a way that's out of their control mm -hmm. and by having this new kind of perspective in life and seeing the world through this new kind of um uh just a social perspective instead of an individual perspective that just changed the entire way that i see life in general and I, it's very much for the better mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um I guess the big question we want to ask is uh, what makes you imperfect? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Nothing's imperfect and about I me. Think <laughs> I, I think I have a good answer for that question. Okay. The same professor that I had that got me into that class that I was able to start my nonprofit, she was very much uh, interested in making us being um introspective of our lives and how we make mistakes and one of the biggest mistakes in my life or things that I wasn't necessarily doing that was the best is um how I approach problematic attitudes in people so I'll give an example uh there was one day there was um a couple that was screaming at one of my lower socioeconomic friends calling them every name in the book basically 
calling them a drug addict and myself, despite not doing drugs or anything, just because of our physical appearance, because we're a little bit just rough around the edges, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And um, so problematically, I kind of told these people off, right? That I didn't, I didn't think that was the best approach. Like instead I should have brought them in rather than push them out and explained in a calm manner, like, listen, we're just normal citizens. And I think you're discriminating against us according to uh, class stereotypes. And that may have changed their perspective for the better, which would have um, maybe changed their behavior in the future with uh, people according to class. But I think by responding in an aggressive manner, I may have made the their feelings worse towards lower socioeconomic people. So that's one of the biggest things I learned from my professor is to um, take people in rather than push them away when you're in situations like that. So I think that's what makes me imperfect is that when I see somebody doing something sexist, racist, homophobic, et cetera, I've responded in a kind of aggressive manner, but that's something I've been working on in my life. That's a really good answer. Yeah. And it's a good perspective to have because automatically everyone's reaction is to go in the defense. And I mean, I often find myself myself too in situations where I'll get aggravated or something. And then I find myself having to call the person after the fact or text them and say, you know, I'm sorry. I was kind of a jerk, but yeah. no. Introspection and, is a is a big skill, Corey. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. Well, I think all of the stuff that you're doing is great. I said to mom, I was like, we have to interview Corey. Like he's got so much to say. He's got so much knowledge. He is doing amazing things. So we really appreciate you taking the time today um, to have a little chat with us and share a bit of Corey's story. So thanks so much. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. If you or someone you know has a unique story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at theimperfectpodcast at outlook.com. For more information and how to connect with us on social media, you can visit us at our website, theimperfectpodcast.ca. And from whichever platform you are listening to this episode, be sure to like, share, and leave us a review. We would really appreciate your feedback. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We look forward to hearing your feedback and seeing you all find that extra joy and embrace your own imperfect. See you next week.